hear about breakouts of all kinds of things happening on cruise ships once or twice a year. And now you've got this highly contagious uh, disease. And so I think it's a difficult issue for an employer because it, you don't want to control your employees outside of work. But at the same time, what they do outside of work now really can affect uh, the workforce. to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Verita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, there's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also, remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Have you caught yourself dreaming of your next vacation? Remember those French Quarter festivals or possible trips to beaches in Cancun, cruising in the Caribbean? Well, if you're thinking about it, let me tell you, your employees are definitely thinking about it. I mean, people are just sick of staying home. And the travel and tourism industries figure that out because uh, they need people to travel. So it's a tricky balance right now, especially when there have been states that are opening up. Airline prices can be at an all-time low to very enviable destinations. Uh, this is a tricky situation for our employers. When pre-COVID-19 pandemic, the biggest problem that employers generally were considering when someone asked to go on vacation is, one, does the employee actually have vacation time or PTO? And two, is it gonna interfere with someone that does a similar job to them to where some work doesn't get done? Now, employers maybe need to think a little bit more outside the box in the fact that as employees leave, because nobody wants to staycation right now, um, even if it's a road trip because they don't go on an airplane, you know, are they exposed to COVID-19? Are they bringing that back into the workplace? And, you know, what are the different uh, questions and thoughts that maybe employers can be thinking about, you know, how to broach that issue? So today I asked a good friend of mine uh, and colleague, colleague as a guest, Camille Canali. She is a uh, practicing um, attorney and licensed in the state of California and works in a law firm in Los Angeles, California. She's defended clients for more than 20 years in business, employment management side, uh, employment law and civil litigation matters. Since my topic is the naughty list for travel, I knew Camille being in California 
could help you weigh in on what these travel restrictions are that we've been seeing the states implement, um, whether they're allowing people, not allowing people to come in or if they come in uh, more putting them on um, quarantine, you know, and the different issues surrounding that. So I'm really excited to have Camille as my guest today. Camille, thanks for joining me on the Legal Skinny podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Trisha. I'm excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about your work. So I practice law in California, primarily litigation, and I represent businesses um, in employment, employer side, obviously, and civil litigation here in California. Uh, yeah, we have a little crossover. Obviously, we've been friends for a while now, but um, I appreciate you coming on and I uh you know, we always love these good legal chats, but uh, I know uh, you do a little bit of work um, on the nonprofit side. I do. So that's kind of my passion right now. Um, it's called Pause for Life Canine Rescue. And what we do is we take dogs from the high kill shelters in South Los Angeles and we put them, believe it or not, in the California state prison system. Um, we uh, maximum security inmates train uh, the dogs. So all of our dogs that are adopted out have their basic training, their toilet trained and crate trained. And the dogs that do the best actually go on to be trained by those inmates uh, to be service dogs for our veterans. Um, and it's a great program because obviously it helps uh, get dogs adopted, but it also uh, gives the men in the prison a marketable skill to become employed uh, once they get out. So it's kind of a win-win uh, for everybody involved. That's, that's some really interesting cool work so very very cool well uh i brought you on here because look you've got a like wealth of knowledge and experience and uh you know i love our chats and so um i really appreciate you being on the podcast today uh we're really looking at what i jokingly call you know uh the naughty list for travel and well frankly <laughs> Both your state, uh, California, and my state, Texas, uh, just recently got put on the New York uh, naughty list for travel. So let's go back to the beginning of those travel restrictions here that's happened because of COVID-19. You know, it started uh, at least, um, you know, the, the first big issue that kind of came out, of course, was some restriction travel to and from China. And I think that um, while everyone noticed that, and of course, if you were... Um, if you had travel plans there or you travel there from work here that you know that affected you but maybe not as much as when there was that shift when the us uh, with the us i i feel like when president trump came out and said okay um and i still remember i think it was a wednesday night travel restrictions um from europe because i have family over in europe and um there was family there at the time that was trying to travel back and um you know we were trying to figure out okay are they going to be coming back is there going to be quarantine measures against them uh, I personally remember being at the grocery store that night before uh, President Trump had made his announcement and there was still toilet paper on the shelves. So um, kind of a vivid memory. I, I guess it kind of escalated from there. And, you know, the way that I saw Texas, you know, I don't think should be surprised considering they started these uh, these sort of um, naughty lists for travel when they put New York and California on the early list when you guys had this COVID-19 you know, outbreaks initially on back in late March, which required some 14-day quarantine for individuals coming back from New York or California, and some of the other states were on that list. So I guess, what do you recall, like, uh, from the Los Angeles and California perspective, 
of all that kind of time period when these travel restrictions started? So I actually remember very well, uh, mainly because I agonized about joining a gym and I finally joined a gym on Friday, March 13th. And I went for the first time and I was supposed to go back again um, the following uh, Monday or Tuesday, I don't remember, but everything was shut down. Like I literally showed up and there was a sign um, at the door, uh, you know, on the door for the gym, we're closed, don't know when we're gonna reopen. Uh, and so I walked uh, next door, there's a, like a farmer's market type grocery store and went, uh, and I'll put this in like air quotes, grocery shopping because the shelves were empty, <laughs> like clean. Oh, wow. Um, and so I, to this day, wish I had taken uh, a picture of like the bag of rice that I had to reach all the way back to the back of the shelf. Uh, to scoop out to buy uh, because I didn't have anything, you know, we didn't have anything uh, at our house. And so I remember it very well. And I also remember like our, my law firm, we were trying to figure out uh, what we were going to do and get everybody moved home so that we could keep operating during that time too, which I'm proud yeah. to say we did. <laughs> That's good. But uh, sorry about the gym. I'm guessing the gym has not reopened then. <laughs> I think that was a sign from the gods that I am not supposed to work out. Oh, you're not supposed to be the gym rat you always wanted to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there was so much stuff. I definitely, actually, it's funny you say that about taking pictures at the grocery store. I, I you know, I took, a, I did take a couple pictures of the grocery store, those sort of temporary signs that went up, you know, only two cans of soup and, mm -hmm. um, you know, for whatever reason, all the bottled water disappearing uh, and, the, you know. Um, it's kind of interesting, the human reaction that you almost like want to buy the things that are out, even though you're like, I don't need these things. Either I have them at home or we never would use these things. But um, uh, it, it was interesting here. You know, there was a lot of um, uh, different products that were gone that I, I felt like were more hurricane related than COVID-19. But, you know, that's because everyone's trying to figure out like how to sort of hunker down uh, and sort of prepare for this sort of unknown. But Switching kind of gears on that, like, because that transition, of course, that we saw, you know, some, we've seen some different guidance from the CDC, really, but not at the sort of state to state level, but more at the federal level about international travel. And I think, you know, the international travel for people that were going to go on vacations, obviously, those vacations, you know, uh, got canceled. You know, at some point, not only were we not letting people in, they stopped letting us in. So we're on the naughty list for Europe, you know, for everywhere else. So, um, so the entire of the United States and continues to have, you know, those opportunities. Obviously, the tourism industry has sort of suffered from all of this travel um, drama, these, you know, what I, again, call the naughty list for travel that, you know, have occurred. But if we switch over and look at that CDC guidance, you know, when they were advising quarantine and, and people were turning internationally and they still um, have this advice um, is, you know, talking about that two to 14 day period of insulation um, where you're quarantining and I think sort of addressing the issue of incubation period. You know what I mean? And how, how I think that could get pretty confusing when you come back from a vacation, you don't have any symptoms and you're like, I'm going back to work, right? Because I need to get paid. I need to, I only had this much time for the vacation. And that's a different kind of thing now for employers to look at someone who did come back um, internationally or maybe even at the state level. What do you think about that? 
Well, I, I think it's um, difficult because especially when you're traveling, you're exposed to obviously a lot of people that you don't know. So if you're th going through an airport, you, you know, there's hundreds, potentially of thousands of people. If you're at LAX here in Los Angeles um, that you're coming into contact with and you don't know whether they've been exposed and don't have symptoms, you know, you go on a cruise and the cruise ships really are Petri dishes uh, anyway. Uh, you know, you hear about breakouts of all kinds of things happening on cruise ships once or twice a year, and now you've got this highly contagious uh, disease. And so I think it's a difficult issue for an employer because it, you don't want to control your employees outside of work, but at the same time, what they do outside of work now really can affect um, the workforce. Uh, and, you know, God forbid an employee comes back from vacation, has been exposed, doesn't have symptoms and passes it to a couple other employees who may or may not get symptoms, who then pass it on um, to a few more. And before you know it, um, you have a cluster of cases um, at your work. And so how to address that, I think, is a very uh, difficult and maybe not necessarily straightforward uh, issue right now yeah I think that that's a great point because I think with especially with the incubation period so it's not like they went uh, it's not like you know the employers examining a situation where you know the family member has COVID or like they were exposed somewhere and they now are having symptoms that you're dealing with a travel issue I feel like this issue hasn't even blown up as much just because we have been under these stay-at-home orders and now you know but what maybe some people haven't approached uh, is, you know, especially with the unemployment rate being high, maybe people are afraid to take vacations. But I mean, employees ha are given vacation here. They may not have used any vacation or very limited amount of vacation. So when they take that vacation, are they going to stay home? And if they don't stay home, which a lot of them are tired of being at home and, and want to go somewhere, you know, whether um, and let's face it, those I've heard some good good prices on the airlines, you know, trying to get people to fly. And, you know, uh, the crew, uh, we have a cruise port, port you know, here, um, people love cruising, you know, out of Texas, you know, people actually drive from other states sometimes because we're the closest, um, or they want to fly, you, they want to cruise with some of the, um, the cruise boats coming out of uh, the Galveston area here, south of Houston. And I know you have one, right? Uh, not far from you. Correct. Um, the, you know, the industries are trying to get back up these travel industries and it's competing with the fact that like what you just said, it's just a complete unknown. I mean, obviously, you know, um, if you just open it all back up um, because and people just start traveling like they used to travel, you know, it will change the landscape, I think, of the spread of the disease. But definitely from the employer perspective, how much how much can they determine you know, where someone went, what they did. Did they go on a road trip? Did they get on an airplane? When they start taking this travel, how concerned should they be with the individual and the employees? Is it even their concern if they come back? You know, do they need to be bothered by it? Or is it really on the individual? You know, because they're supposed to quarantine under the CDC guidelines if it was international travel, or maybe if there was a state regulation, they were supposed to follow this particular guidance and that's on the individual. I think it's a tricky thing and potentially a slippery slope maybe for, I hate using that word, it's so cliche, but it's a tricky one, right, for employers. I feel like travel really hasn't even um, 
been debated out there as much because of all the other issues. It is. And, you know, even here in Los Angeles, tourism is a huge industry here. And, you know, we have Disneyland down in Anaheim. We have cruise um, cruises, uh, the beaches. So, you know, Southern California is a huge tourist destination. And so obviously I want tourism to come back because that helps our economy here. But I, I don't know how far all of these industries are going to have to go uh, in terms of even reporting um, COVID cases. So for example, if a COVID case is traced back to a hotel, is that hotel now responsible for notifying every guest that was there um, on that day that somebody at the I mean, hotel tested positive? Do they need to check all their employees? Uh, you know, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but it seems like if they're really doing this contact tracing that they're talking about uh, to determine where everybody's picking up these cases, that that's something that ultimately will become an issue. Yeah, I'm laughing because I'm I can't. I'm not obviously I'm not in the business of marketing, but that sounds like a marketing PR nightmare to send out emails of because um, I imagine they're not going to call people or text them or email them. Hey, by the way, when you're at the whatever hotel this weekend, uh, there was you know, a positive COVID case wandering around there and we, you may be exposed, you know, and I don't know, maybe that is going to be, I mean, they have their own concerns about liability and it's not clear about where it all goes, but I mean, that is, that's, I, I think you're right. And as we see more people trying to, um, you know, stay in, in hotels and stuff, um, I, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, over the past week and and they, they went to New Orleans and they said it was like the, the quietest they've ever seen New Orleans, you know, like they, they said, you know, you couldn't, you didn't have any table service at Cafe Du Monde down there. And, uh, you know, there were restaurants boarded up, but, you know, the horse and buggy carriages weren't happening. I mean, it's just a different look to, you know, what is a huge destination for tourism, which I'm sure they're suffering greatly for. Um, and how, if, if for us, that's not a far drive, you know, people pop over to New Orleans, they come back, if they get exposed, is that something, is that even the employer should be concerned about if, you know, Louisiana has a spike in COVID cases. Um, and, and I think that is a little tricky too. I mean, California has um, Los Angeles and multiple places, right? And you and I are both on uh, have border states too. So if they go across the border, to, whether it's for travel or to visit family for some reason, you know, into Mexico, is that something, you know, now when they're coming back that, you know, just, is it on the employer to to inform the employee what the CDC guidance is related to that, or is that on the employee to own it to themselves? It's yeah. not clear. I, it's not clear, but I always think, you know, uh, employers should educate their employees as best they can um, with the information that's available, uh, simply because a lot of times, you know, employees may not think to look at the CDC or may not think to look at the local um, health department guidelines. And I think that employers, you know, they know that information is out there and they're utilizing that in information for various aspects um, of their business already. And so, you know, if an employer knows that an employee is getting ready to take a vacation and they're traveling out of the country or they're going to Mexico or to Texas or wherever, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad practice to just let the employee know what the current guidelines are and, 
uh, to have a conversation with the employee about, you know, self-quarantining or self-isolating when they return. You know, I always say communication with your employees is um, the number one thing uh, to avoid uh, risk management nightmares. You say two things, don't you? You say communication and document that. I do. Communication. <laughs> but, you know, I, I always feel like having a good uh, conversation with your employee is ne it's never a bad thing. Yeah, I think I guess maybe um, you know something employers could consider doing is having a conversation when they come back when they you know if they knew that they were exposed if they were out of barbecue with someone with COVID nineteen so their employer could at least take steps then to say okay were you you know potentially exposed to that individual because maybe doing nothing when they come back from vacation later at some point that will look back and say hey you could have done something, you know, um, it is a, it is a tricky thing because of course these individuals have, um, you know, their own privacy and personal rights. So like, I think, um, it's, it's not clear, but I think if, if you don't try to figure out whether or not they've been exposed to individuals and you bring them right back into the workforce and not knowing whether or not they should be quarantining, then you're, you're, you know, even if they don't have symptoms, you're risking that sort of asymptomatic issue that they, you know, don't develop symptoms at all because they're asymptomatic or they develop symptoms later on, you know, while they're working for you. Right. And so it never, you know, one of the things, and I know we've talked about this, Trisha, is whether it's a good idea to have almost a daily checklist of symptoms that every employee in your workforce, you know, answers as well as whether or not there's been any exposure. So it's kind of a two-step uh, process is first you have the symptoms and second is there a possible exposure and then you can ask them you know to self-isolate for 14 days and you know hopefully uh, you know either they're off work entirely if they don't have a job where they can be accommodated with telecommuting and I think that uh, that's something that's kind of working its way out right now and I don't know how ultimately the law is going to come down um, on that in California where we you know we tend to be uh, the state is very um, non-employer friendly always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's challenging for your California employers, for sure. I, um, you know, right now, I feel like it's challenging for all employers. But yeah, some jurisdictions, you know, um, you're going to be facing different challenges with, you know, how much of this is expected of the employee to report and how much the employer is. But I think it's never a bad thing for at least employers to start thinking, is there a way for them to have a communication, like you said, document um, prior to them coming back into the workforce so you can have it. It could be the regular questionnaire. Maybe that's sufficient enough, this daily one. That's a good point, Camilla. I really like that. Now, okay, um, one more question on this. If Because in all seriousness, like the reason that we're seeing, the reason we're on the naughty list with New York uh, is, is because things aren't, you know, we're having problems within our states and increase in uh, COVID-19 cases, which is of course concerning. And, um, but uh, the other issue that kind of comes out that I don't also think I've, I've heard a lot about is that these travel restrictions where the states are calling out who's not allowed to come or who's required to quarantine when they do come into the state, uh, it doesn't seem to have any sort of uniformity. So. I was wondering what your thoughts are on this, because do you think that the naughty list for travel is 
Is it just a phase or at some point do you think the federal government's going to step in and say, look, we need a uniform list or standard. You know, you can restrict states from coming into your state if the state has this many COVID-19 cases, you know, or this percentage of, of positive cases. Or is this just going to be like what I feel like it is right now, which is the Wild West, uh, crop, you know, closing the borders or uh, limiting people coming in and going into quarantine, you know, as best they can from state to state? Um, that's an interesting uh, question. And I think the answer is, I don't think the federal government is going to step in. I think the federal government has left it to, to be a state by state uh, decision. And that's what's happening in terms of, you know, in California, we're actually still under a stay at home order, um, even though businesses are open, you know, opening up and that's creating a little bit of confusion because it's like, do we stay at home or do we, you know, go out to the businesses that are now allowed to be open? Um, but I also think that if there was something at the federal level, it would create a lot less confusion, um, especially if there was across the board criteria um, for allowing or disallowing travel, you know, from location to location. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think it's been, um, I think it's interesting. I think I read the other day that New York is having people on, on airplanes coming in, filling out questionnaires now. Um, they're, they're getting very hands-on in, in making sure these naughty list people are quarantined as soon as they come in. So um, I, I, you know, maybe we won't see any federal guidance on this and it will just be the Wild West, as I suggested. And uh, uh, I, I call it, I, in my mind, the Wild West because is that, that this is just really hard for employers to keep up with, with all the things going on as to what, what these travel restrictions are. It's not like there's one place you can go to determine if your employee went to Key West this weekend on, you know, on these super cheap flights that they have going to Key West, um, you know, whether or not Florida's on that list or not. And I, um, at the point in time of when that happens, you know, so uh, tricky thing, I'll have to stay tuned. Maybe I'll have you back on if we get some more <laughs> clear guidance on this, but. Uh, I that's gonna happen. <laughs> I uh, not. Well, either way, Camille, I really love having you on the um, the podcast here today. Do you mind if we do the legal skinny rundown? Not at all. All right. Beach or mountains? It's California, the beach. <laughs> Elvis or the Beatles? Beatles. Most influential book you read? Oh, God. You know, so my whole thing is I listen to a book on Audible while I'm commuting and I haven't been commuting because we're under the stay at home order and I cannot think of a book title to save my life at the moment. Sorry. You'll have to get back to me on that. <laughs> All me. right. Dead or alive, which famous person would you invite to dinner? Uh, oh, that's easy. RBG. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ah, no question. Uh, I, maybe I should be surprised by that answer. All right. Uh, finally, one minute or less. What is the skinny on travel during COVID nineteen uh, for employers? Well, you know, I I personally think just in general, err on the side of conservative. You know, don't have your employees travel if you can at all avoid it. I know some business are you know very involved in sales and you can't continue to operate. But if you can drive instead of fly, I think that's safer because there's less exposure. And I think this is something that's going to continue to evolve. So, you know, stay tuned to your local health department and the CDC. Uh, 
that that is some good advice for that for sure. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? So you can um, get in touch with me through Bradley and Gamelic LLP on our website, www.bglawyers.com, or you can email me at kknally at b as in boy, g as in girl, lawyers with an s.com. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Legal Skinny podcast. I really enjoyed this discussion. And that's Legal Skinny on the naughty list for travel. So to get the Legal Skinny on the other topics, check out LegalSkinny.com. And don't forget to sign up for the Legal Skinny newsletter to get all things Legal Skinny. Thank you, Camille. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also, check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer for the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.